0: This is the Place for a Purpose podcast. We want to help you live out what Jesus said was the most important thing you could do with your life. Love God and love your neighbor, including your next door neighbors.
1: So we're gonna keep neighboring on your mind by encouraging you with practical ways to connect with those next door so you can live knowing you've been placed for a purpose because your address is not an accident and neither is your neighbor's. We are so excited to begin a new series called Finding Your Place, and we figured what better way to begin than with an episode on moving. So we are excited to talk today with Susan Miller, known as America's Moving Coach. She's president of the Just Moved Ministry and author of After the Boxes Are Unpacked, Moving On After Moving In. She's moved 13 times, so she's kind of an expert on the topic. And what began as a class at her church, Scottsdale Bible Church, almost 30 years ago, has grown into an international ministry which has helped literally hundreds of thousands of people as they relocate. She helps people grieve the moving process, which ranks on stress tests as one of the most stressful things that you can go through in your life. She provides practical resources to help us let go, start over, and move forward. And most of all, she points us to the promises of God that He is with us during the uncertainty we feel during a move. So welcome, Susan. We are thrilled to have you on and learn from you today. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for being here. And so, as you know, we are a neighboring podcast centered around this theme of place. And some of our listeners may be tuning in because they've just moved or are considering a move, but for others... We haven't moved in a while and we can forget what the moving process is like. And we often have new neighbors moving in. So put us in their shoes. What are movers experiencing? And what are the people next door who have just moved in? Where are they at? And what are their lives like in that moment?
2: That is such a great question. And I've walked in the shoes of being the new neighbor next door, as many of us have. But I think that the fact that they're immediately going to go to the emotions of that. Who will my neighbors be? Will they like me? Will I be accepted? Will we have anything in common? Will somebody bring something over? Which is not common these days, but you think those things. You want that connection.
1: Yeah, there's so much uncertainty. You talked in your book about coping with the unfamiliar and how They're starting all over. They're leaving behind their family and friends and having to make new friends. So, you also talk about there's a list of running questions, small ones that are kind of more detail oriented, and then the big questions. What are some of those running questions that are going through our new neighbors' minds, and how can we help them in that process?
2: It would be so helpful if we would just show up and reach out, whatever that might look like. And I know that they're having to deal with facing the unknown, they don't know the area, they're coping with everything that is unfamiliar, and they're having to start all over again. When you leave behind family and friends and you have to make new friends and you don't know anybody to call in the middle of the night if your child gets sick, Those are real disconnected feelings. And so I just think that showing up is huge. Just a smile, a wave, welcome to the neighborhood. It's so important.
1: I'm sure a lot of the people that you interact with in your ministry probably use social media in that way, because on our neighborhood Facebook page, people move in and they want to know who's the electrician that I'm going to call or When's the trash pickup day? All those things, they're stressful. Not to mention the bigger, the bigger things you talk about with, what are the schools like? And did I make the right choice? Should we have even come here?
2: Right. Simple little things like, when is garbage pickup? Where does the bus stop? Where is a good church, or a Bible teaching church around here? The basic questions that you would ask yourself is what a new person would ask. And we just deal with so many unknowns that it's hard for a new person coming from out of state or moving across town to feel settled. I think that word settled is so important in a new neighbor's life. Even though we've got Nextdoor app and all of that, if you're new, you don't have a clue. To have a neighbor, that's a great suggestion. But to have a neighbor say, hey, my plumber is, and I really like him, that kind of thing. It's huge.
0: People can go online and use those social media apps to try to answer some of those questions. But would it be so much better to have those conversations in person? with a neighbor. And instead of feeling isolated and like I'm having to go on Google and find all this information, I'm talking to someone who lives here. There's that personal touch. You mentioned feeling like the new neighbor when you've moved into a neighborhood and you've moved a lot Are there any stories that come to mind of people either doing a good job of welcoming you into a neighborhood or we don't have to name names, but maybe there was a move that was really challenging because there weren't those neighbors there that welcomed you. Does anything come to mind there?
2: Unfortunately, the day and age of showing up with brownies or cookies is not common anymore. But I think that if you live on a street with Other homes, I think if you just drive by and a new neighbor is out in the yard for you just to stop your car, roll the window down, that's what encouraged me is that somebody cared enough to stop, roll the window down and say, hey, we're so glad you're here and welcome. That's huge. And of course, I always loved the brownies and cookies, and I would still take cookies to my new neighbors, which might not be a bad idea to plant that in this generation. Hey, reach out. Have something you can start a conversation with.
1: So going back to some of the emotions, you talk in your book about how moves can be planned or unplanned. And with that, there can be a grief cycle to moving, where we need to unpack our physical boxes, but we also have to kind of unpack our emotional boxes. There can be denial. There can be anger even over a move, or sadness, and then moving into a place of acceptance. So can you share more about some of the emotions? And I know you talk about other emotions we can feel too, but share about that. And then what difference do you think it could make in our relationships with neighbors if we just had an awareness that they're going through a lot? I think the biggest thing for us to remember as men and women
2: in transition and change is that moving is something a woman feels and a man does for the most part. And so as women, we are pretty well tied up with the emotions and the series and stages of grieving that come with, I always say, with transition comes change, with change comes loss. And with loss comes grieving. And so not only will you go through denial, but you may well go through anger or disappointment or bitterness that you had to move when you didn't want to. There's just that and discouragement, disconnect, comparison, all of those feelings that can be conjured up in the stages of denial, where you just think, oh, gosh, I'm going back in your mind. How many times I thought that? I thought, oh, I'm going back. I'm really not going to be here long this is going to be a short job change. And that's just that denial, natural part of grieving. And then the anger where deep down you resent everything. Resentment is huge and you just feel like you don't belong. And then the depression and sadness can slip in. And I'm always sensitive to that, to be aware that it's okay to cry it's okay to have those feelings. It's normal. The key is, and I always say with women, going through the series of moving and the stages of emotions and grief is normal. What you don't want is to be stuck in it. You don't want to be stuck in that grief. That's when it's unhealthy. And then finally, acceptance. And for me, that meant I got my Arizona driver's license and Put my Georgia driver's license aside. Those are the steps of grieving that movers can experience.
0: In your book, you call moving... A closet illness because it can feel so isolating. And it's just hitting me in a new way to hear you walk through each one of those emotional stages, how heavy that could be and how hard it could be to go through that alone. And again, just highlighting what an impact a new neighbor could make on the person that's moving in to reach out and enter into that isolation, into that closet. You say, when you move, you can get MSM, moving stress meltdown, Remind us, what are some of those big stressors that come with moving? I think it just helps us enter into the world of the new neighbor who's moving in when we remember those stressors.
2: I'm a real visual word picture person. If you can imagine a thousand-piece puzzle that sits on your table and it's all together, everything has its place, and it just comes together beautifully, and then that puzzle is turned upside down on the floor. And you have to put all the pieces back together. That's what happens in moving stress meltdown. You're trying to put the pieces of your life back together and find the place, the routine, the rhythm. And these are the things that Occupy the mind of a new person, a new neighbor that moves and that you need to be sensitive. Maybe you've lived in the same town for 30 years and all of a sudden someone new moves in. You need to just stop and think, how would I feel? How would I feel if that were me? Because it can really be a detriment to settling in and to finding your place
1: because change is so hard. I mean, you even talked about moving from Atlanta, where you had grass, to moving to Arizona, which we have family in Arizona, to all the rocks, and how you didn't like that some of the neighbors painted their rocks green to look like grass. And I read that, and I thought, Gosh, change is so hard. And so can you give some practical suggestions for people who are moving on ways to embrace some of that change? I know at the end of every chapter, you have the section unpacking the boxes. What would change specifically?
2: First of all, step up and step out and join in.
1: It's so important for you to
2: get outside your front door. You've got to make the first move. In other words, join up, find a Bible study in a church, join a community, something that you enjoy doing, if it's pickleball or whatever, it might be a book club, step out, make that effort and learn about the community. There may be wonderful things that you would love to know, and you just need to Google it, find out about your community. Plant flowers. I know that sounds so trite, but for me, I would always feel like that that was a beginning of putting down roots. If I could plant flowers and see them bloom, that was a visual beginning for me. And dwell on the positive and not the negative. You can always find negative things about a new place, but dwell on the positive. Here in Arizona, we get a lot of sunshine. Do I dwell on the fact that it's 115 in the summer? I try not to. And it's just so important to get those boxes unpacked where you can begin to start over.
1: I loved your suggestion to, along with trying out new restaurants in the area, you said try a funky new flavor of ice cream or treat yourself to a gourmet cup of coffee. I love that because sometimes we forget how stressful a move can be and how those little treats are not only a way to bring some relief, but also a way to engage in our new community, like you said. Absolutely.
2: And to find out the history of the community. A lot of times, small towns have history, big cities have history, and it's just good to know where you are and your surroundings. But the biggest thing for me was getting up, Getting dressed and getting out. Even if I just walk around in the mall or the grocery store and ask questions, that helps.
1: I would like to walk around in a mall in Arizona. I don't know if I want to walk around the Columbia Mall too much. You have great malls where you live.
0: Susan, I think you do a really good job of helping prepare the mover for the difficult things that are coming, calling it a closet illness, highlighting those stages of grief and the emotions that you're going to experience, and just saying you're going to potentially feel invisible because no one knows your name and you don't have the friends that you had before the move, potentially. But I also like how you say there are also opportunities in moving. And you say, I've often thought the only time I'm not too busy, too scheduled, and too committed is after I move. So I'm curious for you personally, how have you seen God work through this window of waiting and loneliness that can come with moving, but you're open? to new opportunities?
2: I found that having to wait or that space in between starting over again helped me not only draw closer to God because my focus, instead of being on everything under the sun, about unpacking or moving or settling in, I leaned in to God. I prayed more. I focused more on him. And that was a huge help. And I got to know myself better. I began to recognize what I wasn't doing to help. Just the fact that it was time to think, Susan, now get off your duff and get out there and join a Bible study and join something. And you've got to get up and get out. And so it really gave me that opportunity because it shakes your identity. You just feel like, who am I? And so for me, it
1: was finding out who I was all over again. Why do you think moving shakes our identity so much? Because you talk about that, and that struck me in your book when you talked about leaving your home in Atlanta and how your home was a part of who you are. What is it about moving that shakes our identity?
2: Well, I think that when we move, we are so uprooted. We're uprooted in our home life, where even if you're in an apartment or a condo, you have a settled routine and rhythm of life. And so to move just uproots all of that. And it's starting all over again, going not knowing. Your whole identity is wrapped up in where you live, what your job was, who you are as a mom, your place in the church, and then all of a sudden that's gone. And that has been your identity of who you are and your place. It just uproots all of that. It's again, you've got to start all over and you've got to have that hope and dependence on God, knowing he's not going to fail you or forsake you and that you can start over. I always laugh and say to women, just think, all of your clothes are going to be brand new to anybody. You can wear the same thing over and over again, but it's all new because nobody's seen it.
0: I also really like how you point people to God's character when they move. You encourage us to remember that He's sovereign, that He's unchangeable and loving and all-knowing, and how meditating on these characteristics can provide you in a move with some security and comfort and peace and hope, knowing that He's with us, that He's gone before us, and that He's got a plan. I'm curious, what are some scriptures you've come back to again and again as you've moved, or ones that you've seen God use to encourage others in your ministry as you help others move?
2: encourage women to cling to Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Deuteronomy says very similar, Deuteronomy 31, 8, don't be afraid for the Lord will go before you and be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And I So use that scripture in the life of a military spouse. And I will say to her, God is not going to take you to the gate. All military installations have a gate you go through. God's not going to take you to that gate and leave you. He's going to go with you, travel with you, be with you. So God is not going to leave you when you hit the city limits line and you're in a new place. I love those two scriptures.
1: I'm glad that you brought up your connection to the military because I noticed that on your website. Your website is justmove.org. There's lots of wonderful resources on your website. There's, I saw that connection that you've had, and then you talk about it at the end of your book, too, because a lot of people, when they move, it's what you call a short-term assignment. It's a temporary move. And we might wonder, why would we want to invest ourselves in this new place When we know, it'd be easier not to. It'd be easier to just wall ourselves off. And likewise, when we meet a new neighbor who we know, maybe they say, oh, I'm just here for a couple years. We're about to leave. Why would we invest in them? What difference does it make to either invest or invest in someone if we know it's just going to be a season?
2: I deal with that all the time with women because we live in a transit world where you can move anywhere and work from home. And so many lives are uprooted on a temporary basis from one place to the other. And I always say, wherever you are, make your place a home. It doesn't matter if it's three months or six months or two years. Put the things out around you that will give you that sense of, this is where I belong. My husband was in the hotel industry, and many a time we would, quote, live in a hotel until we bought a house. You will laugh at this, but I would put the welcome mat out in front of the door, and I'd put my pictures out and candles or whatever because I wanted my children to have that sense of, well, hey, this is temporary, but this is home for the time being.
1: And it's just real important. You would put the welcome mat out in the hotel? Yes, I would. Awesome. I love that. Well, because we would be there
2: for maybe three or four weeks or whatever. So I would. This was just a time that I needed for my children to find where they were coming home to. And it worked well. So for that moment in time.
0: You had some pretty transient neighbors when you lived in the hotel.
2: Yeah. And this was, of course, when you've got people that are in suites and long-term staying in a hotel, it makes a difference. So I just stress to a young mom or a career woman or a single woman or a widow, I'll say wherever you are, just make that place a sanctuary for you, a place that you can come home to and nest in. Doesn't matter how long you're there.
1: That's right. And in your book, it's so full of stories of impact, and there are stories of people who have been in a situation for, I know towards the end of the book, you bring this up, that short-term assignment where it can make a big impact on someone's life, our own life included. I'm sure for you, if you were to go back and all those 13 moves, people just said, well, I'm not going to invest in Susan because she's only going to be here for a short time. Instead, you had meaningful connections there. And I think about how you've put us in the shoes of the mover and you've put us in the shoes of our new neighbors and knowing they're going through that loss of identity, they're going through all of those feelings, how much of an impact would it make for them as they're processing through all of that to show up and show and share the love of Jesus with them? It can be so profound.
2: Absolutely. And I always say, don't miss the moment with a smile or just a gesture of kindness and that's what will be remembered that you showed up that you did not miss the moment there have been times when i've moved that i thought does anybody even know i'm here and then maybe someone from around the block is walking by and sees that we're new because i'm still putting boxes out or whatever And they'll stop and just say, hi, here's some phone numbers. This is my number. If you need anything, call me. Just the simplest act of kindness. It's just huge. Don't miss the moment to be Jesus to someone that's lonely. Be the arms and the feet of Jesus to someone that's new. You never can tell what an imprint that will make on their life.
0: Reading through your book, obviously, we noticed that you give some great suggestions about relating to new neighbors when they move in. And one of them stood out to me. It was the one to resist judging a book by its cover, whether neighbors are from a different culture, or non traditional families, or retirees, or multi generational neighbors. I'm curious, how have you had your assumptions challenged as you've met neighbors who are different from you?
2: And that happens. That's reality in this day and age. And the first thing I do is I leave my feelings at the door as far as judging. This is a time and an opportunity, again, to be a light in their life, to be the hands, the voice, the feet of Jesus. And so anything that if they Speak a language I don't speak from another country, if they are dressed different or whatever the situation is, I leave that behind. And I just want to be the importance of being a blessing to someone that they can feel is not judgmental. This is not a time to get into judging others, this is a time to welcome people into your arms of caring and kindness and showing that they
0: matter. As we wrap up here, I would love to give you the final word. And I'd love for you to speak to our listeners who might have a move coming up. What are some final thoughts that you would like to encourage them with and then also encourage some of our listeners who might have new neighbors moving in. It's the beginning of the new year. People are going to start moving and and moving into our neighborhoods. What would you want to say to them? So first off, the people who might have a move coming up.
2: If you've got a move coming up, I always say get your ducks in a row and plan ahead, which those are the practical things. I would highly recommend and I say this with no motive in mind. But reading my book is, I have been told, it's a huge way to know what's ahead, to begin to understand what you have to face. And I think that when you're getting ready to move, you need a support system. someone that you can say, you know what, I'm happy about this, or I'm angry about this, and I need a friend to walk with me through it. I think it's just important to understand the concept of when you move, you've got to let go and trust God. You've got to start over with hope and move forward with faith. And you've got to embrace it, go into it, embracing it. Yes, it might not be perfect. Yeah, it might be a stinking move, but embrace it because God, he will not forget you. He has a plan and a purpose for you.
0: What would you say to encourage those of us who are in a neighborhood, we're not moving, but we see people moving in next door? What would you encourage us with how to relate to them and reach out to them?
2: First, I would acknowledge them and I would reach out in some way. It may just start with a smile. It may start with rolling your window down and saying, hi, welcome, welcome. One of the best things that someone did for me was give me their phone number and said, if you have any questions, call me, or if you need anything, call me. And that meant so much. And then just to get out and, gosh, bake cookies. I took cookies to a new neighbor not long ago, and it was a disaster. My cookies were not cooked well and I said, hey, this is the kind of neighbor I am. I'll bring you cookies, but they may not be the best. But just to show up and reach out to someone that's new.
1: One thing that struck me that you said is use people's names, because you you talked about how people feel invisible. And there was that one story of the person who they just wanted to get a call from a solicitor just to have their phone ring or to hear their name. And so it goes along with acknowledging them is using their name once you learn it. But Susan, I'm so glad you're here. Susan, here's some cookies, Susan. It makes an impact. What I do is
2: anytime I meet a new neighbor, I find out their children's name. I come home, I have in my phone new neighbors. Literally, I do. And I will list their name, and their children's name. When you remember someone's children's names, that is huge to them. So I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot that I have this list of new people because our neighborhood has newcomers a lot. And that way it helps me learn their name too. So
1: Towards the end of the book, there's something that you say, I want to read it aloud right now. You say, there isn't a change so traumatic that God cannot restore you. No pain so deep that God cannot bring you comfort and no circumstance that is without God's presence. And that is such a beautiful encouragement to any of us who are listening that are going through the trauma, really the massive change of a move that there's nowhere we can go where God is not with us and guiding us. And so thank you for that reminder. Thank you for the hope you provide in your book, Unpacking the Boxes, Moving On After Moving In. And thank you for putting us in the shoes of the new neighbor that's moved in and the profound impact that we can have when we just learn their names, acknowledge them, go over in that window of waiting where they're in between, their schedule isn't probably fully packed yet because... They haven't fully adjusted and there's some loneliness there. And with that is great opportunity. So thank you, Susan. I encourage anyone to read your book and thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you. It was my joy and my pleasure.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode or let us know other topics related to neighboring you want to talk about or follow the link in the show notes to share a neighboring story with us. Tell us what you're trusting God for in your neighborhood and how you're seeing God at work. You can also follow Placed for a Purpose on Instagram, and you can help others find us by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this episode with a friend.